Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. You hit the spot. The place where the conversation is pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Put your thinking caps on, because the conversation starts now. What I do. Well, thank you so much for coming back and being with me on the edge. Brains, welcome back to On the Edge with April Mahoney. This is your favorite podcast. This is the spot, the place where the conversations are pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. And returning to the show, friend of the show, Donna Smith. Donna Smith is an amazing woman. She offers tapping to heal trauma and stress anxiety, and depression. She's also the chaplain, not for one, not for two, not for three, but for four organizations, Women Army Corps, Veterans Association, Army Women United, and Disabled American Vets. U.S. Warrant Officer, she's retired now. She is a lesbian, and she's also the mother of a transgender child. Now, do we have a lot to talk about or what? We do. I'm so excited to have her back because she's always a wealth of information. But the most important thing is that she knows that there's a higher source. She honors that higher source. That's God without judgment, without reservation, with protection, with clarity and understanding. And that's what we're going to talk about here on the edge today. So let's welcome her back to the show. How you doing, DS? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm at the top of my game. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And I'm so glad to have you back. Thank you for uh, gracing us with your presence one more time. Catch us up. Tell us a little bit about where you are in the world. Uh, You're doing so much. It has been a whirlwind since I last talked to you because I've had so many vets come in for treatment, to get healed, to get a better life, to get on with their life, and to be in a better position than they were when they walked through the door. So I have helped, simply helped over 200 vets and worked with over 2,000. Wow. And yeah. you know what? Mental health and it's acceptance. It's a must. Because the VA is, is so overwhelmed that we all have to step in and help and do whatever we can. And we offer not only tapping, but Reiki, but different things, because we never know what is going to be the thing that's going to help that person break through whatever they need to heal and do whatever they need to do. And it's, it's just been an amazing journey. I, I was in overwhelm when I started and every day I'm amazed at all the help that we get for these vets and all that we can do for them. So I am now, just- you're a private practice or you subsidized through some of the, the VA programs? I am not subsidized. I am a 501c3 um, focus minister. Wow, wow. So, yeah, I don't charge the vets any anything. If they want to donate, that's fine. Because, you know, a lot of these guys and gals are at the bottom and we're trying to bring them up. So I just said, you know, if you want to make a donation, that's fine. If not, I'm here to help you first, and then we'll worry about the stuff later. Can you get grants and loans through the the through the government for your program for your nonprofit? Absolutely, okay. absolutely, yes. Because yes. I know you can't run on your beauty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we get lots of grants and stuff. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good. Uh, so let's delve into what you do a little bit. How did you, how did God find, well, no, how did you find God? Cause God's always with us. How did you find God? 
So when I was 17, I was really called into the ministry when I went to the seminary affiliated with my church. And I came home, told my father, and my father at the time was a police officer in Pismo Beach, California. And he told me, absolutely, no, you're not going to be a minister. So I joined the army instead and served 32 years. So I just took my spirituality with me through my time in the service because I knew that it was going to be needed. And sure enough, everywhere we go, every single deployment, every time we had to go somewhere, we always did prayer and we always supported one another. So when I got out of the army, I knew that ministerial school was in my future. And sure enough, I went and here I am working with vets because that is my calling. Because these guys and gals, they need so much help. And since I've been deployed and since I've been there, I can help them and talk the talk and walk the walk with them. And and it's amazing the transformation that takes place. Well, one officer is pretty high up. It's pretty prestigious in the military for a female. It and is. so you are finding yourself, you know, you found God. Mm-hmm. But how was that being living essentially a dual life? Because you are a woman in a predominantly male environment. But you are a lesbian and are trying to figure out and navigate your way. And you were in during the time of don't ask, don't tell. Exactly. Then all of a sudden the tables turn and they say, "Okay, well, now you can you can talk about it. Then now it's openly gay. Then we had number 45 wanting to restrict that. It's a you know, it's this constant back and forth that causes angst and anxiety. Number one, how did you really kind of navigate your way through all of this and what would you say to another young woman that's struggling in the same spot so I was fortunate enough I went to Korea when I was 19 and I met some incredible older women older NCOs who said if you want to survive in the military here's some tips and this is what you need to do and they just laid it out for me and just said Just be the best at your job and just do the best you can. Leave your personal life at home and don't bring it to work because that's where it gets you in trouble. And so I've always done my best and I've always reached out and helped other people throughout my career. And, you know, being in the closet until I retired was pretty difficult, but I had such support from my boss from my people I worked with, you know, it wasn't an issue because that wasn't the first thing we were thinking about. The first thing we're thinking about is getting the job done. And now uh, it's, it's so nice that they can serve openly because when my son was in um, and the day after Obama said transgenders can serve, he went right into his office and told him that I'm transgender. And I'm like, you couldn't even wait till the ink dried before you go in and tell them. Mm-hmm. But it was it was liberating. It's like, you know, I don't, I don't have to do this. All right. So now let's fast forward. When you and your child sat down and had that conversation, I'm sure there was more than one. It was me. Um, and I'm going to ask some tough questions. And, and Brains, you know, you can get your panties bunched up if you want. But uh, I want to know. And if I want to know, the best place to do is ask when you're on the edge. All right. So now your child, you see certain characteristics. A mother knows. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't care what nobody says. If your child's gay, your mama know. Okay. Right. 
She don't, if she doesn't want to verbalize it, that's on her, but she knows. Right. So you see variations in demeanor, mental health, socializing, withdrawing, depression, whatever the situation may be. And your child finally comes to you and says, you know what? I feel that I am living the imposter syndrome because I'm in the wrong body. Right. What do you say? So I saw my my daughter struggling with her sexuality and I she came to me and I said, look, you have got to go out there and see what resonates with you. And she just continued to struggle until she was in Okinawa and discovered that she was trans. Came back to the States. We were, I was attending her graduation from college for her master's degree. And she said, mom, I got something to tell you. So, you know, my head's going and I'm like, yeah. And she says, I think I'm trans. And I haven't told you because I was scared I was going to lose you. And I said, oh, honey, you're not going to lose me. You, I, I'm your adopted mom. We chose each other. You are stuck with me. So watching my daughter transition into my son has been just an amazing transformation because now he is so much happier. He is so brighter and lighter and he's having a good life. Before he was struggling, he was so struggling. And so I am so grateful for his being able to step into his own and say, this is who I am and this is who I came here to be. And now I'm, I'm going through this surgeries and all the stuff. And I was right there with him and every step of the way and said, sweetie, you're doing the best thing you can for yourself. And that's what we have to do as moms. We have to help our children find themselves right. and find their way in and way out of situations. So it was an honor to be on this. It's been an honor to be on okay. this. Journey. My second question. Yeah. You're a woman of a, of a religious doctrine, okay? Mm-hmm. And many would say that this is in total contradiction to what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. I read it in the Bible. You will not be able to, at one point, discern a man from a woman. It, no. And it's coming to the it's coming to that point, but it is still unnerving. It's still very complicated right. for the general for for general society because transgenders are popping up like dandelions. Right, been suppressed. Some people think it's a trend. Some people think it's a fad. Right. Uh, I know some uh, some young people that are going through this transition right now. When I have a conversation with them, I'm gonna be real honest with you. I'm not very confident that they know still who they are or what they want to be. They're seeing that this is more socially acceptable. Mm-hmm. I can be non-binary. I can be rebellious. I can go against the societal norms. Uh, you know what? It doesn't matter who I, you know, who I sleep with or how I sleep with them. With artificial intelligence, I was telling one of my guests, we're gonna be bumping foreheads. We ain't even gonna be in penetrating each other. No, it's gonna be, you know, that's how you're going to be doing it. Everything is evolving. It and is. There's a lot of people that are still upset with it. And I'll be honest with you, Brains, it was confusing for me. It's not that I don't want you. I want everybody to be happy, okay, and to do what it is they want to do. But now I have a, a whole nother subset to deal with. I've got to deal with pronouns. I've got to deal with non-binary. I'm 60 years old. I'm willing to evolve and change, but the gay and lesbian community 
has to allow us the bandwidth for change. Again, they haven't totally accepted Black people, Black being white, or, you know, women in certain positions. Look at our government. We haven't had a woman president yet. Other countries are run by women. So it's an ever-evolving challenge. And I know that your, 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 um, your son now, does he still struggle with the stairs and the having to have the conversation? My son is six foot two and black. And so he always felt like he was outside of his body. He was not in the right body. Mm. And he always had, he's kind of like Brittany Griner with a deep voice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He always had a deep voice. So now he's, he feels like he's normal. He's in a, a normal place. He does a lot of talking at different transgender organizations. You know, he, people ask him questions and he's very honest about what he went through. And I said, that's the only way you have to show up is being authentic and integrity. And people are going to accept you when you are being authentic. Kids these days, they're struggling with who am I? So you have to just encourage them to find that place and find their way because they just don't know where it is. And they come to you and go, I don't know. I Am I in the right clothes? Am I not in the right clothes? I'm like, keep exploring, keep trying to find it out. You have, you will get to the point of this is where I am and this is what I'm meant to do. And this is where I'm meant to be. Okay. So again, from a religious perspective, what do you say to the, you know, to the parishioners? What do you say to the flock? You got to have a conversation for them. You can't just say, oh, well, you know, because you are in a position of religious authority. They come to you for guidance and understanding. So you're going to have parents that are going to come to you and say, you know what? I'm not with this. I don't know. Of course, we're going to discourage them from shunning their child. That's the last thing we want them to do. What kind of conversations are you having with those parents? Because I'm a religious scientist and we always think of the positive. How can we be more positive? Do no harm is number one in our teaching. Do no harm. So ask the child ask them what they're doing, ask them what they're feeling and try to support them as much as possible. You know, you never hear anything about Jesus saying, you are, you're not a good person. You're not a good person. I can have nothing to do with you. Jesus never put anybody down and he didn't hang out with all the rich folks and all the together folks. He hung out with prostitutes and people who were on the edge and people who were on the other side of the tracks. He was hanging with those folks. He wasn't hanging with with people on the podcast. I go on the edge, right? I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, but serious shit. Uh, And and I get it. You know, the underserved and overlooked communities, the ones that have been silenced. So again, the best thing to do is ask the question and get up out of yourself. Because it's not about you at that point. It's about the other person. When it's about me, Believe me, 110% is all about me and I'm going to let you know. I'm going to teach you how to treat me. But when it's about you, I'm going to allow you the floor and I'm going to do anything that I can to support you, especially my child. Suicide is at an all-time rate. Yes. Uh, you know, self-medicating with, with drugs and alcohol. Yes. Depression. And not being able to solidify a relationship. Okay? Right. Most people, and I asked somebody this, I said, you know what, when you, when someone says gay, what is the first thing you think of? You know what they tell me? How they have sex, how they get down. Oh, 
Wow. That, that well, That's the first thing they think because, you know, oh, does that disgust me? Well, I'm saying that's kind of perverted. Yeah. You know, okay, so what is gay? Gay can, it can only be male or female. Now, you know, is it a lifestyle? Is it a culture? Is it a DNA makeup? Is it genetics? What is being gay, Donna? So, you know, it's an attraction, you know, it's, it's a feeling inside. I am not attracted to guys. I have a lot of guy friends, but I'm not attracted to them sexually, mentally, emotionally, or spiritually, but I am women and women feed my soul. They feed my thoughts. And, um, I would rather be with a woman and because I can relate to her. It's, it's not a phase. It's just like, this is my relationship to someone who I'm feeling for and feeling about because I can relate to where they're at and they can relate to me. I can't relate to guys sexually. I, it, I never could. And I've always you been. Never try? Maybe don't. No, I've tried it. I love it. I, I, you know, again, everybody, everybody doesn't like strawberry ice cream either. I get it. I, I totally get it. But the way you said, mm -mm. <laughs> no, and the thing is, when you are um, in a different sexual orientation, it's the attraction to that particular sex. It's not a phase. It's not what you're just going through. It's a total chemical, mental, emotional, and spiritual attraction to that person. Not just, uh, you know, I just want to have sex with you all the time. Yeah. Well, but then, you know, you've got others that, that, that target the community to say that, you know, the gay and lesbian community is very sexually promiscuous. Uh -huh. I see that more with men than women, but the running joke is what's the second thing that happens on a date with a lesbian? And they say, what? They say she moves in. <laughs> you all comes. <laughs> you all comes. But I understand that the emotional attachment because it's relatable. Right. I get that. Um, but it also can be very combative because you've got a lot of obstacles. Number one, finding someone in your same orientation that is going to be monogamous. Right. Right. Okay. Right. That's, I mean, it, it, it can be, uh, you know, very sexually fluid. Yes. That's not, that's not all. There's very been long-term relationships. Then yeah. you've got to adjust to the family because it's, it's combative. Grandma, oh no, this is not what I wanted for my grandchild. Or the mother uh, saying, you know, I want grandchildren. You know, what's going to happen? But what we have to understand as parents is that it's not about us. Once we've given birth, that child belongs to the world, unfortunately. We can mentor, we can mold, we can try to direct, but we cannot relive our lives vicariously through our children. We have to support them. If not, they're headed to the train tracks. And instead of you pulling them back, you're pushing them right in front of the freight train. Absolutely. You have to support your child because they have to explore within themselves who they are. And the more nurturing and the more you support them, the more they feel confident and they feel that they have a high self-esteem. So you want to keep that self-esteem up there. If you're constantly battling with them and their self-esteem goes down, then that's where drugs and alcohol come in because they're trying to numb all that. You know, um, I grew up in a very physically abusive family. My mom was so physically abusive. I knew at 12 that I had to leave at 18. 
because mm. I knew I couldn't stay. So I didn't know where I was going, but I knew I was leaving. And Did your mother know that you were gay? Uh, lesbian? Mm -mm. No? When did you come out? When did you find that this is your reality? I, I had my first relationship at 18, but I never told anybody in my family. No one ever knew until I retired because I had a security clearance. I did not want anyone to lie for me. So if they didn't know, they wouldn't have to lie. So I never told my family till I, I retired. And then I came out and they, they're like, oh, okay. And moved on. It was like, it's no big deal. We love you just as you are. That's and that's, that's the way it is in my family. We don't care. We don't care who you love. We just care about you because you're a part of our family. Well, that's very big and that's very huge. Now, you take this on a larger global plane uh, and you are a religious scientist. Tell us a little bit about the science of religion versus the doctrine of religion and the manipulation of religion. So we don't have a dogma of like, if you don't do this, you're going to go to hell. If you don't do that, you're going to go, you're not going to make it to heaven. It's all about positive thinking and taking what Jesus was teaching us. Be the best self you can be. Do the best for your neighbor and your friends. Be all you can be in your family. Love each other, respect each other, help each other. This is not a, a competition. This is a family and you have to treat each other as a family. And we stress, do no harm. Someone hurts you, you have a conversation. And if you can't work it out in a conversation, then you know that relationship is over and you just move on. There's no judgment. There's no, you know, getting each other's faces. Okay, well, let, 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 me, let me time out here for a minute because that word judgment, mm -hmm. I own it. Mm -hmm. I'm judgmental. I'm judgmental. I'm not saying that my judgment is always a negative judgment. So brains, you know, get the get the dictionary out. Okay. Uh, but my judgment is my safety zone. It is my territory of boundary. I judge it against what I know. I assess it against what I don't know. I open myself up to a conversation, but it also allows me to pump my brakes, to stop, to think, and reset. Exactly. Okay, so judgment is not this negative thing no. all the time, you know, but no. you, you, you don't want to have judging, excuse me, judgment versus prejudice. Right. And we all have prejudice as well. I can't stand okay. <laughs> okay. But if you But if you come to my house, I will prepare it so good and serve it to you on your plate but I don't want to eat it. Right. Everybody has their prejudice against a certain race, certain religion, women, drugs, alcohol. And then you combine that with a judgment and a prejudice. Now you've got a, rec a recipe for disaster. Now you've got problems. Mm -hmm. But to be able to go through that and go through that process and edit and filter is very important. I'm sorry to cut you off, Donna, but I just have to tell people all the time because, you know, they're quick. To, oh, I, you know, I don't judge. You're lying. You do judge. Yes. The moment you say it, you, you're doing it. So, hello. <laughs> so but, but I understand what you're saying, but that in combination with, you know, your angst and your anxiety about what another person's doing, that adds a different layer and it makes it more complicated. Exactly. 
we honor whatever your spiritual journey is, however you want to do your spiritual journey, however fast you want it, you want to take the classes, you want to become a practitioner, which is a spiritual counselor, or you want to become a minister. It's all up to you. We don't force anybody or press anybody or stress on anyone that you have to do certain things. Here's the book, read it. What does it mean to you? And where do you want to take your spiritual journey? And we're right there with you. Mm. Just everything in your life. What do you want to do? I'm there to, to coach you through. What don't you want to do? I'm also there to coach you through. Why it's do you think that people uh, go to religion? Sometimes they go to religion as a camouflage. Mm -hmm. You know, they're trying to mask it. Sometimes they're really going with a sincere heart. Sometimes they're going because they've been pushed. Uh, or sometimes they're going because they're very vulnerable. You've got to be careful with that, too. Like you said, here's the book. Read it for yourself. Whatever that is, the Quran, the, the Torah, the Bible, you know, uh, Buddhist chants, whatever it is, again, like your sexuality that resonates with your soul, that makes you feel good, that causes you to do no harm. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Some people go to church because they want the socialization. Some people go to church because they really do want to build their spiritual life. Some people go to church to find whatever they're missing in their life and they don't know what it is. When my guys come to me and say, hey, um, you know, my spiritual life isn't where I want it to be. I'm like, go to every single church in town, find the one that resonates here. Because if it doesn't resonate, you're not going to you're not going to continue. So you have to find what resonates with you, what makes you feel good about you and what makes you feel good about your spiritual journey. And it, it could be Druidism, Buddhism, it doesn't matter. It's just, what is it that makes you feel good? First of all, about yourself, how you can love yourself, because that's where it all starts. Mm -hmm. You have to love yourself first before you can love the outside. You have to be happy within yourself before you can be happy on the outside. And where can you find that? And that's where you need to be, wherever that is. Well, you know what I'm finding also is an absence of this younger generation, I'll say anywhere from 25 to 40, the absence of religion and God in teaching their children. Right. That there is a higher power, that there is a stronger force, that you were created. Uh, it wasn't a big bang theory. Right. What do you, where do you see it and what do you recommend um, to, to, a way to introduce God into our children's lives. So I ask them what they believe. What do you believe? And then they tell me, tell me your story about what you believe. And then I'll ask them, do you think that you can find yourself believing in something that supports you, absolutely honors you and wants you to be the best person you can be? And they say, yes, but I haven't found that yet. And I said, well, you haven't found the right church. You haven't found the right teaching. You haven't found the right place to be. It's all about the right place to be. So they're like, okay, I just go, go look, go find, you're going to find the right group. You have to find your right tribe. If you can't find your right tribe. Well, you do, you know, you do, but I'm telling you, Donna, there's some trickery out there. Mm -hmm. Because I remember years ago, we, you know, we were young and 
I'm from South Central LA, so I'm looking at everybody with a side eye anyway. <laughs> Everybody's suspect, okay? But uh, we were invited to go to Guyana with Jim Jones. You remember what happened there, right? Drinking the Kool-Aid. Mm-hmm. People sometimes search so hard to try to belong that want someone that understands. Again, we'll use as an example, maybe someone that is in the closet right now and and coming out. They're struggling with their identity. They're struggling with their social circle because they don't know. And until they that individual formally verbalizes it, they don't know they're gonna be the response of other people. Oh, I never knew, or I thought, or I don't like, or, you know, whatever. But then there are those that are going to be very accepting. But then there's going to be those that are going to manipulate you. Yes. And Jim Jones was a master manipulator. Yes. Through the word. Uh, We didn't belong to his church or anything, but we were definitely there to go. Uh, You look at people that go to these cults. I have a friend right now, 30 years, she was under a guru. 30 Mm -hmm years she was under this mind control where she'd have to meditate three four hours a day girl if you get a good 30 minutes out of me on a meditation <laughs> i'm great okay the three four hours chanting uh mind control discipline all that so it can go from one extreme to the next so when you say find yourself you have to find yourself you don't find yourself inside of somebody else's self yeah. that is with a lot of self-reflection it is with going to spiritual counselors. It is going to different types of churches. One may not resonate with you. You know, you might go to one and, you know, they burn incense. You might come to mine and, you know, we got the organ going. <laughs> you know, it just depends on what leads your heart. And then the, 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 the bell ringer is when you make that personal connection and you find God for yourself. Exactly. And it's undeniable that it'll land on your tongue. It'll put fire in your heart. It'll put tears in your eyes. It'll heighten your sense of hearing and awareness and your sense of compassion. Am I telling them, Donna? You're telling them. That's exactly right. When you walk in the door and you feel like I am welcome here. This is my home. This is my spiritual home. You are home. If you walk in the door and you go, ooh girl no (laughs) you're gonna know and these people when they get in the cults i i think at first it's the insecurities and the fear and scared to death of saying no and and not really pushing the boundaries and saying you know this doesn't work for me and i gotta leave and they're just living in that fear place so if you're living in fear and going through fear, then that's not the place to be. You got to get out of there. You run, run out. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. But then being released from that, because there are certain religions, I'm not going to call them out. This is what people told me. I don't know. But they whip you with the Bible. Oh, you shouldn't wear certain uh, mm-hmm. clothing. You know, you can't eat certain foods. Right. Uh, you know, you have to cover right. all of these things that, in my opinion, you know, and I'm not a, a, a religious scholar, but just common sense tells me 
that a lot of this was interpreted by man. Exactly. You know, I, I didn't read it. I didn't read it. And then when I went, I've been on several religious uh, sites where I have just been overwhelmed by when the truth is told, the Vatican being one. Right. I was like, really? You know, and, and they told these things. You know, I grew up in a certain religion. And then when I became of age, I found God in a different kind of way for me. And then I look at the contrast and the comparison. So there's a lot. So for you to be overarching uh, and to be very welcoming in different phases in people's lives, different needs, different desires, different doctrines, I think that that's huge. And I think that that's very, very valuable for the men and women of the military that are struggling because that's that's the first thing that happens. When something happens to you, you start to pray. Never prayed before in your life. Never put a quarter, never put a quarter in the offering cup. Nothing. But oh Lord, oh God, okay, you know, I'm about to I'm, this AUD just went off and you know my my friends have died and am I gonna be able to go back home? Yada, 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 yada. They have all of this other stuff going on. And now you want to call on Jesus. Right. You have to come from love. You have to come from love. You have to love them where they are. And then you help them walk through that growing period, that transition period. What is it that you want to feel? What is it that you want to know? What is it that you want to learn? There is a, an opportunity for you to really help them help themselves. Does this not feel good? These, these lessons, they're not loving lessons. They're lessons of fear. Don't sit in the fear because we already have enough of fear. So go to the place where they're teaching love, practicing love, walking their talk and walking their talk with you out of love and compassion, not out of fear and not out of judgment, the bad kind of judgment, but out of that place of love. And when you feel that, when you feel like you are surrounded by love, just as you are, purple, green, orange, whoever you live with, they don't care. They love you just as you are. Then you are in the right place. All right. So now let's let's do one more deep dive. That word unconditional love. Mm -hmm. Help me. Help me, Donna. I, 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 not 100 percent. So. I, especially with kids, you know, with your, your kids, you want the best for them. You want them to be the best. So you have to come from that place of unconditional love. You have to let them try things that you are like, oh, what the heck are you doing? And why are you doing that? And you just like, okay, I have to love you through this because you are going through a sense of recovery, security, discovery. I went through it. We all go through it. So I'm going to let you go through your sense of I've got to discover who I am and just love you through it. It may not be my choice. I'm not choosing that, but that's what you're choosing for yourself. And you have to love them through it, because if you come from any any other place than love, then they're they're not going to be able to find Yeah, They're going to rebel. But again, let's let's slice and dice that love is not enabling no love can be tough it, yes absolutely love can be um distant right 
Sometimes you have to distance yourself from certain situations. I know I've gotten in situations with my kids to where, you know, I was on overload. So I'm not going to be the bone of contention. I am going to take control over how I respond to certain exactly. situations. Exactly. That's that's a choice of how you respond to it. Exactly. I'm not going to overthink it. Nope. I'm not going to do it. If we are, you know, the mature adults that we say, because again, you can't re-raise grown folks. Once your child gets to a certain age, and that age could be 12 sometime, you know, when they get to a certain age, they are fixated into who they are. Right. So you have to be able to negotiate and have that kind of conversation where this is something as your parent, I don't like, you're not going to speak to me that way. We're not going to negotiate uh, you know, if you want to be treated as an adult, then you come to me as an adult and have a conversation. I'm not going to apologize for who I am. If I'm wrong, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to definitely take that under advisement mm-hmm. and own my responsibility, but then you're going to own your responsibility too. Yes. And Absolutely. that's what being adult is all about. You have to have the conversation and because you have to hear where they're coming from and and then ask them some very specific questions. So you thought that was the right thing for you to do and why? And they get to explain themselves and then you get to help them walk through their decision-making process and in the walk in them telling you the story, they discover their own answers and they're like, oh, so I guess this wasn't a good idea and I guess this wasn't a good decision. And now I see where I made the mistake and I own it. And now I see where I could have made a better decision and I own it. Right, right. So do that. So tell us now, you know, I mean, you're just a wealth of information, girl. Me and you could talk for hours. Uh, Tell us now, you know, what is your current offering? How can people get in contact with you uh, to work with you if they're in this space of exploration? So my current offering is I'll sit down and coach with you. I don't, I don't counsel you. I don't tell you how to do your life. I want to hear your story. So tell me your story. And then when we talk about trauma, I can say, I I talk to them about tapping because tapping really does clean up the trauma in your life. And it's a tool that you can use, not just with me, but with, if you're out there on the road and you have a situation, you can pull over and do a tapping session with yourself you can calm yourself down and get yourself back to where you need to be. And so I teach my vets and and non-vets, I do both, about just taking your power back. And and you have to say, I'm not feeling my best today and I've got to work through it. I'm not having a good day and I've got to work through it. Admit it, own it, and then let it go. And when people discover that they can do that, It's just like the lights come on, a lightness comes into their life and they feel so much better because they have taken their power back. And that's what it's all about is taking your power back through your story, through tapping, through coaching, through just knowing that I surround you with love the moment you walk through my door. See, and that's all we need is love, you know? And again, unconditional love, People put conditions on it, you know, they change it uh, to fit their narrative, what's important to them. But when you are caring for another person, it's not about you, brains. It's all about them. And 
That's what we are here on the edge. We're all about you. That's why we've been doing it for 20 years almost. I've been doing this podcast. And it's not for shit and giggles. It's for information, empower, in, uh, influencers, and self-reflection to go and, and do the deep dive, to think about it, to question it. Whether you agree or disagree, you're not supposed to be disagreeable. How about that for a start? Donna, tell them how to get in contact with you, Precious. So contact me on my cell phone, 360-707-8475. I took down my website because it wasn't working. And so just give me a call. We make an appointment. I do Zoom calls, phone calls, or in my office. I have an office here in Sierra Vista right across from the Landmark Cafe. Walk in, come talk to me, and let's let's figure it out together. Sierra Vista's in Arizona brains where it's hot as all oochie coochie. It's not hot there? No, girl. We're at we're 4,500 feet. So we're really? cooler than Tucson and definitely 15 degrees cooler than Phoenix because we're right on the Mexican border and we're in a mountainous wow. So we I'll have to check that out because girl. I didn't know there was anywhere cool in Arizona. Thank you so much. Brains, go in, like, love, share, and subscribe right here to this address, right there. Like, love, share, and subscribe. We are on all the social media hotspots. Uh, we want you to live your best life. But we don't know what that is until you pull back the layers of the onion and you start to cry. So you can cry on our shoulder. Thank you so much, Donna Smith. You're going to come back and see me again? Better. I know. I absolutely love you. And thank you for your courage. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your support and your work um, with the community. Thank you so much, April, for having me. All right. Peace out, Brains.